The length of my message today is no indication of how long it usually is. <laughs> just, just so you know. Um, I just feel the Lord has given me, given me a, 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 a devotional. It's going to be a little shorter today because I really feel like the Lord wants us to minister to one another in this place today. So we're going to do that after communion, um, I think. Last week we had um, uh, we had Josh Hofford in, and we had, as Pam mentioned at the beginning of the service, uh, uh, a couple days together learning and and. Uh, I think it, uh, it was a great reminder of the foundation that undergirds the working of the Holy Spirit among us. And it, and it really is, it's, it's love. It's love. I, I love how Josh said... Um, that <clears throat> I can't remember which which session this was, but but Josh said that um, he talked about the gifts, what we often call the gifts of the Holy Spirit in First Corinthians chapter twelve, and as he rightly stated, that the the word gifts isn't really used there so much as spirituals. Spiritual, he says, I. I in our English translations, it says, I, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts, usually is what it says. But the word gifts isn't there. It's uh, spiritual things or spirituals, literally. Um, and, and so he drew our attention to um, that the things that we get to do from time to time in the power of the Holy Spirit, whether it's speaking in other tongues, interpretation of tongues, praying for healing, a gift of faith and miracles, uh, words, of, you know, words of prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, those, those gifts that we talk about. Um, the gift is the Holy Spirit, is what he said. And it's so obvious from that passage, if, you, if we look at it without our predetermined lenses on, the gift is the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit um, is manifest or sh you know, shows himself off through our lives in various ways, it says. Right? So sometimes the Holy Spirit might move through our, our life in a, in a word of prophecy, which... Um, which sounds scary for some of us. Sounds like this mystical, weird thing. And, but really, it's, it's speaking the heart of God to someone else to, as we heard last week, to lift up, build up, or cheer up. That doesn't sound too spooky or freaky, does it? If we, if we kind of take away the... The spookiness that doesn't need to be there about prophecy. It's us speaking to someone else, the heart of God, 
in a moment when they need to hear something from the heart of God that, that lifts up, builds up, cheers up, right? So what I want to, that's, again, that has nothing to do with my, my devotional, but um, just, a, just a recap of where we, some of the things that I think were really key for us to, to hear and learn from last week. What I want to say today, for just the next few minutes, is the gospel still works. The gospel still works. In, in Romans 1, starting in verse 16, it says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. And maybe that word might be, you know, unfamiliar to some that are here or watching online. The the word gospel uh, means the good news about Jesus and his kingdom and all that he came to do to, to, to save us, to rescue us, to get heaven inside of us. Um, Yeah, so the gospel... I am, I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. It was, it, Jesus was a Jew, and, and the gospel came first to the Jews, but we're all grafted in. If, you know, we get to be part of that gospel family if you come to Jesus and surrender your life to him. Right? For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So, in the gospel, what the, the reason it's good news is because people had been trying for millennia for centuries to produce enough righteousness in themselves that God would put his his rubber stamp on their lives and yet continually fell short because that was never the way it was intended to happen. But in the gospel, a righteousness from God was revealed. Right? Um, in first, we're just going to cruise through a few scriptures here. Uh, in 1 Peter 1, verse 18, it says this. For you know it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Now, Peter's primarily writing to Jewish people, so religious people. But whether, whether your ancestors handed you down a way of life that was religious or a way of life that was godless and secular... It applies either way. Because whatever was handed down to you is not sufficient. We all need a savior. Some of us need a savior from religion and some of us need a savior from, we all need savior from sin. We need a savior, right? Um, so wh- 
It wasn't with perishable things like silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Jesus and his and all that he did to bring us salvation was chosen before the creation of the world. That's what it says. That means that when Adam and Eve sinned, and when you and I sin, that none of it, none of it caught God by surprise. But before he even made the world, he knew the mess we would make of our lives and he provided a savior. That's pretty cool. That's amazing. And, and we have the seeds of the good news, the seeds of the gospel start in Genesis chapter 3. And as the Bible goes on, it unfolds an understanding of what this salvation was all about more and more as the, as the scriptures go. But the one thing that's consistent from the seed of the gospel, which we'll read in a moment in Genesis chapter 3, all the way through is that you don't bring anything to the table. God had a plan God worked out his plan, and God is at work rescuing you. And it's all him. In Genesis 3, starting in verse 14, it says, So the Lord, this is when God comes to Adam and Eve, right? They've sinned. Interesting, they've sinned. Yet God comes to them. You ever thought how significant that is? He comes. Did, did he not know yet that they'd sinned? He knew. Even though he asked, where, Adam, where are you? You know, what have you done? He knew. He was asking not for his sake to gain information. He was asking for Adam's sake that Adam would come clean, right? Understand that even in your sinful place, God comes to you. So God comes to them. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity. Right? That's, that's make you enemies. Right? You'll be enemies. We'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He her offspring, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. 
right? Now, that, you might say that doesn't sound like a really clear explanation of the gospel, but I said it was the seed that, that opened up as time went on. One is coming who would be the seed of the woman, the offspring of the woman, and Satan, the serpent, would, would strike his heel, would, would harm him, but in the process, the serpent would be crushed. That's good news. The enemy of your soul, the one who wants you dead, the one who uses temptation and deception and every tool in his toolbox to destroy your life. Jesus came to stomp on his head. That's good news, right? Doesn't say here that the woman would accomplish anything other than being a vessel through whom God would send his rescuer, right? Genesis 12 uh, opens up a little more, and God comes to to Abraham, Abram at the time, um, and says, says this, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Notice how God says, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. All Abraham has to do is just cooperate, say yes to God. But God, all of the, the, the rescuing of the nations and the blessing of the nations and the blessing of his family and the things that God wanted to do through his family, it was all God. I will, I will, I will, I will. Genesis chapter 15. Um, Can you trust me if I tell you, if I do the, the Coles notes? You can look it up later. We don't have to read the whole chapter, right? Um, God comes to Abram, and God had given him the promise that he would have a son of promise, and through that son, God would carry out what he started back there in Genesis chapter 3. This, this line of the woman would, would carry through Abram and there would be a, that seed produced that would be the conquering one, right? And, um, and so God comes to, to Abram and, and he says some weird things that to our ears sound really, really strange. He tells him to go get uh, a bull, a sheep, so, you know, get some animals and cut them in half. It's kind of gruesome, kind of gross. And lay them out in a row, these animals. Why on earth would God get Abram to do that? Well, we know from history that this was uh, what people in those ancient Near Eastern cultures did to make covenants like a contract but way bigger way more may way less breakable than a contract a covenant okay 
And they would do this, and what they would do is the two parties of the covenant would walk between these animals. And, um, and, and in walking between them, they would basically make a blood covenant that was unbreakable, right? A contract that was unbreakable. So God tells Abram to, to do this, and then, then um, God says, uh, so a- Abram is expecting that he and God are going to walk through these things and make a covenant with each other. But before they have a chance for this to happen, it says that God put Abram in a, in a deep sleep. And he saw, instead, he saw a burning pot of fire and a flaming torch move between the halves of the animals. Again, what is that? <laughs> like, it's weird, right? What we have here is God the Father and God the Son moving between these halves, making a covenant. The Father made a covenant with the Son. Because if he made it with Abram, Abram's going to drop the ball. If he trusted Israel, if he trusted us with a covenant, we're going to drop the ball. God made a covenant that was going to be, he was, he was guaranteeing that it, he was going to carry it out. That through Abram's line, the seed would come that would crush Satan and win our freedom. But the covenant was made between the Father and the Son. Again, nothing Abram could do to make this happen, to fulfill it. In fact, Israel again and again and again dropped the ball and failed God in the things that God had called them to do. And God just kept coming back again and again in love to his people, renewing covenants and saying, I will fulfill all of it. I'm going to jump ahead, skip a couple things I've got here, but uh, Ezekiel 36, verse 24. So this is after Israel has failed so badly that God had to kick them out of their land, and they're living in exile in another land as slaves. Again, again, right? And, and God comes through Ezekiel and says, for I will take you, hear that? I will, right? I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And then you will live in the land I gave to your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God I will save you from all your uncleanness. Wow. 
Folks, the gospel is still powerful because it doesn't depend on us. Because it's an agreement the Father made with the Son, and the Son carried it out to completion. He said, it is finished. And after that, the Father raised him from the dead. And he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. Praying for you. Don't you wonder some days what he's praying? Right? First John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, what does that mean? If we confess our sins, we, we admit to God our desperate inability to keep covenant with Him. Our failure, our sin. We confess our sin, He is faithful and just. Now, if, if God was just, you would think he would give us what we deserve, and that wouldn't be pretty. So what does it mean that he's faithful and just? It means that he's faithful to the covenant he made with his son, and he's just because all of his uh, all of the wrath was poured out on Christ, and we were rescued. You were rescued. That he is just because he has counted your sins to Jesus and counted Jesus' righteousness to you. The passage we read at the beginning from Romans 1 says that in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. You will never be good enough to earn favor with God. But the deal is that wasn't the plan in the first place. Because Jesus was good enough. And he took your sin on himself. And if you... Um, if you make him your king, it's how the gospel works. One of the places in, uh, in, in Romans 6, Paul anticipates a question from his hearers. Well, we should just keep on sinning because then we can get more grace, Right? Just, just, just live however we want. If Jesus has paid the bill, if he's taken care of it, we just keep on sinning. And Paul says, God forbid. Like, may that not be our mindset. Because those who have become children of God, those who have taken hold of salvation, 
are done with sin. Right? Our, our, that's, I mean, we still sin. But that's not our heart's longing and our heart's desire. Our heart's longing is Jesus for those of us who've made Jesus our king. Right? So folks, no matter what you face, and I'm going to get the, those who are serving communion to get ready to do so and, and our musicians to return. No matter what situation you find yourself in today, whether you're watching online, whether you're here in this room, whether you're here for the first time or the 5,000th time, The gospel still has the power to change lives. Because it does not depend on our effort to, to be a better person. But it's the righteousness of God that was revealed in Jesus. The goodness of God that is a gift for those of us who make Jesus king. Come into his family. Come into his kingdom. He changes our hearts and we start to live differently. Not because we're trying to earn something, but because he matters more than anything now. Right? So as we approach communion... Let us examine our hearts. Are there things we need to confess to the Lord and, and invite Jesus to come and wash us clean and take out our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh? Thank you, Lord. As these elements are handed out this morning. There's, uh, there's two cups, cup in the bottom, cup in the top. The bottom cup has a little wafer in it, so you're going to want to take the cups apart. Just hold on to the emblems until we all have received them and, and we'll take them together. Um, if you know Jesus as your Savior, it doesn't matter what your church background is or but if you know Jesus as your Savior, you're welcome to take the emblems today and, and celebrate communion with us. If you're, if you're not in the place of you've never made Jesus Savior and Lord, you've never grabbed hold of the gift of salvation, and you're not ready to do that yet today, it's, it's okay. We know, we know you're on a journey. And, uh, and don't feel any judgment by just passing the, passing the plate by if, it, if it's... But we want, want you to take it if it's meaningful to you today. And I hear the Savior say Thy strength indeed is small Child of weakness
So today we follow Jesus' instructions to regularly remember sacrifice that he paid, all that he did, so that we could have forgiveness and freedom and an open door into his family and into his kingdom. 
And Jesus, the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus, we thank you that that our sin, our brokenness was heaped upon your body on that cross. That you bore my sin to death. And that by your death you conquered sin and death. So that we could be free. Let's take the emblem of his broken body. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup. And when he had given thanks, gave it to them, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. This up. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus, we thank you today that that the gospel still works, still has the power to change lives, that your blood still redeems, rescues people who are slaves to sin. You still set people free and wash us and make us clean because of what you did on the cross. We thank you for your blood spilt for us. Greatest expression ever. Amazing love of God was not with perishing things like silver and gold that we were purchased, but the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish. So as we take the emblem of your shed blood, Jesus, we pray that you would indeed strengthen and and cleanse and, and renew us in the gospel. In Jesus' name, let's take the emblem of his blood. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand, folks. Jesus, what he did, our our salvation. It's not just about, I've said this a few weeks ago, we sometimes crunch this down to just being about getting into heaven. But our salvation is a whole package of life transformation. Jesus' salvation for you, his rescuing for you is about, it's about healing, It's about your maturing. It's about your breakthrough in the areas in your life where you need the breakthrough of Jesus. And uh, and some of you need 
Many of us in this room today need a breakthrough. Maybe, maybe you've been struggling with a, with a sin that just seems to have you trapped. And you need to be free of that. Jesus does that and does it well. Maybe you need healing this morning. Maybe you need um, a breakthrough in a relationship. Maybe you need breakthrough in the area of provision, financial provision in your life. Jesus is our rescuer. He's the one we run to. And he still works miracles today. So in a moment, what I'm going to do, I'm going to count to three. And if you need a miracle breakthrough in your life, in your family, in your situation, and you want to bring that to the Lord today, when I count to three, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up and keep it up. And your brothers and sisters around you, people of faith, who know God is a miracle worker, who know that God wants breakthrough in your life, they're going to come around you and they're going to begin to pray for you. You can share with them as much or as little of your situation as you want. You can just say, just, just pray for me. Or you can, you can tell them what you want prayer for. Not wanting to embarrass anyone today, but we want uh, to see, I believe God wants to minister through each other as we, as we uh, serve the Lord today together. And so uh, if you're in need of breakthrough, if you want prayer this morning, I'm going to get you to shoot your hand up in just a moment. And, uh, and keep it up until someone's got, uh, and, and, and let's, let's, let's gather around. You know, not just one, I, I mean, maybe if we all have our hand up, we'll have to do something different here. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. But, but, uh, but let's gather around our brothers and sisters and hold each other up in prayer for the next few moments. All right? One two, three, put your hands up. All right, keep them up. Brothers and sisters, move out, all right? Keep your hand up until you've got some people around you to pray with you. Don't be shy. Don't be too shy. All right? Move around. We still have some people without, without hands on their shoulders. 